1975. Regarding, actually, maybe not, probably 1974. Uh, 1974. Regarding Parshas Hazino, sometimes we read Hazino between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur and Shabbat Shuvah. And sometimes, like this year, we read Hazino between Yom Kippur and Sukkot. So it's known, similar subject we were learning about yesterday, but this time another another angle on the same subject. It's known, especially among Hasidim, the great wonders virtue of this Torah portion. As a previous Rebbe shared that the Mizitcha Magid told his students that they should memorize Parsha Sazino. And he said this doesn't only affect your spirituality, it also affects the material things in your life in the simple sense. And he added, Mizitcha Magid added in his instruction, uh, the previous Rebbe shared, Poor Yonatan, coming right on just to hear this line, he's going to get haunted by this rest of his life. Said it's in Zichamagad that if business people would know the tremendous amount of blessing that they could bring down through learning the song of Azino by heart, certainly they would do this. That's what Magad said. Now, based upon what we know that said that was written in many places, that whatever you see in the inner dimension of Torah has a source in the revealed parts of Torah. At least there's a hint. Whatever you see in the interdimensional Torah, there must be some kind of um, reflection on that subject in the reveal, the exoteric parts of Torah. Because the interdimension of Torah is the interdimension of the revealed part of Torah. So whatever there is in the interdimension also has to be <clears throat> in the outer dimension. Because that's the order in holiness that the inner dimension and the external dimension are connected to each other. It's not like things are in the world. It's possible in the world that the inner dimension, the outer dimension could be different. Like the Gemara talks about people who aren't, their inside is not like their outside. They could be inside, they could be not sincere, and externally they could look like great tzaddikim. So that's because of the unholiness in this world that could cause a dissonance between the inside and the outside. But in Torah, which is the source and the instruction for all matters of holiness, so Torah is in a way that the inside and the outside are the same. So we find a wondrous thing also in the revealed parts of Torah. Regarding the order of reading the Torah every Shabbos, that we read seven aliyahs in every in one Torah portion, Moshe Rabbeinu established that we should read the Torah in public on Shabbos and Monday and Thursday. And Maimonides writes that the custom is that we finish the whole Torah in every, every year. Although some people finish the Torah in, once in three years or once in three and a half years. I don't know if anyone does this today, but the Rama mentions this custom. And then we make a, a celebration to complete the Torah. So there's something unique in Parsha Sazino, which is not in other Torah portions, that in all other Torah portions, it is not set the way the Parsha is divided. We don't find, I, I'm, I'm not sure what the Rebbe is referring to, um, it could be, the Rebbe is referring to a, a source in the Talmud for the division of the Torah portion. Certainly we do divide the Torah portion every week into seven Torah portions, but maybe the Rebbe is referring to a, uh, er, 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 the earliest source of that division, how it works, I'm not sure. But we don't, in, in, regarding Pasha Zeno, however, we find the, something unique. We find that it is divided in seven Torah portions, especially other Torah portions when there's, when there's a, a, a merger of two Torah portions. Certainly, it's not clear. It, it, the whole way that the Torah portion is divided is different. But regarding Pasha Zeno, it says in the Gemara, the way the song was sung by the Levian in the temple. And it says over there that they divided Parshish Azinu 
um, into six sections, and they would say one section every Shabbos. Thank you. By, by the Musaf of Shabbos, they would say one section of Parshazin every Shabbos. Chaim, Chaim. And the Tom and the way it's divided in the in the in the Beis Hamikdash by the Levim when they sang the song when they brought the special sacrifice for Shabbos besides the sacrifice brought every day when they brought the sacrifice of Shabbos they would sing the song and the way they would divide it in in in, in these uh, six sections that's the way we divide it in shul as well the same way the Levim did it then in the, in the Beis Hamikdash although there are different opinions about what exactly is the meaning of this division. The words of the Talmud are Hazivlach, that Hazivlach is an acronym for the six sections of the um, Parshat Hazinu. So there is a discussion about what those six sections are, but um, but according to all opinions, there are there's a very clear guidance from the Torah, from the Talmud, from the, that, from the time already of the Beis HaMikdash, how the Torah, Torah should be divided. And this is especially relevant to the teaching of the Alter Rebbe, you have to live with the times, live with the section of Torah which has connection to that day. So Parashat Sazinu is set exactly according to the division of the seven days of the week. So this emphasizes the relationship of Parashat Sazinu to the rest of the year, because in addition to reading this Torah portion this week, it was read throughout the year by the Levites, by the Nebuchadnezzar and Megdash, when they brought the Karban Musaf. And so too nowadays, regarding the spiritual sacrifices that are offered in the spiritual Beis Megdash by our lips, that there's something about Parashat Zinu having relevance to be said the whole year. What this means is like this. Why is Parashat Zinu so special? The theme of Parashat Zinu, as Rashi says, is that God called the heaven and earth to testify that the Jewish people should keep the Torah mitzvahs. He's, he summoned heaven and earth, heaven and earth, I want you to give witness that the Jewish people should keep the Torah mitzvahs. And therefore read this Torah portion after Rosh Hashanah, or after Yom Kippur, which is also called Rosh Hashanah in Tanakh. In a simple sense, all the ten days of Tshuva, Shanti, and Kippur are one are, are the same content. But Rosh Hashanah, we crown God as our King, and then Yom Kippur is the inner dimension of Rosh Hashanah, or the whole all ten days of Tshuva are all the same theme. So after this 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 time of Rosh Hashanah, or after the whole ten days of Tshuva, which has the same theme, we read Parshas Azino. What's Parshas Azino? It's the testimony, the commitment for keeping the Torah mitzvahs, as the language of the Talmud. God says, and when you accept my sovereignty, then I'll make decrees upon you. What this means in a simple sense, that when we read Parshish Hazinu, we have to have a firm resolve about learning Torah and doing mitzvahs, including not just learning Torah and doing mitzvahs in general, but also in all your ways you should know Him, that you should connect to Hashem in, in, in whatever you're doing. That's a decision we have to make when we're making this testimony about our observance of Torah and mitzvahs, Let's take a firm resolve the Shabbos, and this firm resolve on this Shabbos gives power and assists whatever we're going to do the whole, whole year. And there's Dr. Bresman. And since Pasha Zinu is a song, and a song is about joy, and that's why the, Tal- the Talmud says that when you, when you, um, you could only sing a song to Hashem with wine, because wine brings to joy. And so, therefore, whenever there's a, a commandment to sing a song to Hashem, like when we make Kiddush on Friday night, we have to have wine. So since Pasha Zinu is a song, and song, a song brings joy, so this causes the service of Hashem throughout the year to, to be done with joy, so that the whole year becomes a joyous year. And through this we merit to come to the tenth song that will be when Mashiach will come, after the nine songs that were sung in history until this point, that we should be able to sing to Hashem the new song, 
the song that in different there are different ways to say song in Hebrew. Shir chadash or shir chadasha in the feminine or in the masculine, and the Talmud explains that the difference has to do with is the joy something which lasts forever or joy which does not last forever. So other redemptions there was a song after redemption but did not last forever, but the masculine tense of the song indicates that we're talking about a joy that will never ever stop the coming of Mashiach. May we see this happen? It's recorded mamish speedily in our days mamish. So that's the end of the first section of Avrengo explaining the meaning of Parsha Sazinu, how we see also in the real parts of Torah something unique about it, and how this is a song, and our decisions as Shabbos have a power to carry us the rest of the year, and how these decisions of this Shabbos have to be done with joy, and this causes joy to the rest of the year. Okay. Let me continue now. Now let's learn something unique about the way the year is ordered this year. The Baal Shantav says, anything you see in the world, you have to learn a lesson. And the, how much more so something that Hashem has set up in the calendar, the calendar to be set up a certain way, certainly is something we're supposed to be learning from this. And it should be something that we all can understand, even with a simple person. Just like when we crowned God as our king, God wanted the simplest people. He, wanted a, he didn't want angels. He wanted simple people, people to crown him as a king. So too, so too learning about why Pasha Sazinu was specifically after Yom Kippur, not during the 10 days of Shuvah. Uh, what is the message? What are we supposed to learn from the fact that Parashat Zinu is after Yom Kippur? So Yom Kippur, let's first understand, understand a little bit more about Yom Kippur. What's Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is the perfection in serving Hashem with Teshuvah. Yom Kippur is about serving Hashem perfectly uh, in Teshuvah. As the Ramam says, although it's always good to do Teshuvah, it's always good to cry out to Hashem, Yom Kippur is a time of Teshuvah for everyone, therefore everyone must do Teshuvah, <clears throat> that's a unique uh, commandment of doing tshuva on Yom Kippur, that if you do tshuva whole year, but there's a unique commandment to do, yom, to do tshuva on Yom Kippur. Until the last moment of Yom Kippur, at the end of the Ilah, when God forgives us for the entire year, not just, not just He forgives us, in language of our prayers, language of Moshe Rabbeinu, God told Moses, I, will forgive, I have forgiven them as you have asked. The Jewish people are considered <clears throat> after Yom Kippur, like Bali Teshuvah, above Tzadikim. And not just they're called people who have done Shuvah, they're called Bali Tshuva, masters of Tshuva. They're masters on Tshuva, on Tshuva. They're masters on the perfection of Tshuva. They're masters on the highest level of Tshuva. That's who we are after, after Yom Kippur. And after we have reached the absolute perfection, then we come to Pasha Sazinu, that at this time, Hashem asks from us in an even higher level of Tshuva. As it says in the Torah in the beginning of Pasha Sazinu, that our sages say a person should always, his whole life, should be doing tshuva. And the altar says, what's the height, what does that mean? What does tshuva mean? You should, your whole life you should be doing tshuva. Obviously it doesn't mean you should be making mistakes every day and, and regretting them, right? Tshuva <laughs> means, says the altar Rebbe, your spirit should return to God who has given you your spirit. That's what's supposed to happen. Let's now unpack that, what that means. It's the highest level of tshuva we've reached, and now Hashem asks us a higher level than the highest level of tshuva. What's going on? Doesn't make sense. How is it possible to have your whole life being devoted to tshuva? The Talmud uses the expression, we're not talking about fools. So for sure, if you're fulfilling already today the mitzvah of doing tshuva, you've already done this. So why do you need tshuva to, to, to do tshuva again tomorrow? 
As soon as you wake up in the morning, before you did anything bad, we tell you, you woke up this morning, you did tshuva yesterday, okay, now's another day, today you have to do tshuva. A similar question you may ask about davening. Why have davening every day with the same words? You already davened yesterday, you already had all the meanings of the davening yesterday, and since the gates of prayer are never closed, for sure, whatever you said yesterday had an impact. So why is it necessary to daven again today? But there's a difference. The difference between doing teshuva today versus daven today is as follows. Every single day, a person has new needs. And a person has to elevate new things they did not elevate the day before. And therefore, you have to pray again today. You have new needs, you have a new mission today, you have new things you have to encounter today, you have to daven again today. But teshuva is a spiritual service in your soul. And since you already did teshuva perfectly yesterday, and you did teshuva as much as you could, with the source of your soul, as much as God has given you based upon the source of your soul, you've done teshuva perfectly. And more, God promises us in the Torah, in the Rambam, there is nothing that stands in the path of teshuva. So you for sure did it, and you did it properly. So what's the need to do teshuva the next day? And not just a moment the day to do teshuva, but rather in the language of the Talmud, all of your days you should be doing teshuva. What's going on? What, what does that mean? And the answer is very simple. Every single Jew believes that God is infinite, God has no limits, but a human being, a Jew, is only a creature who is limited. And even your neshama, the way it is in heaven, how much more so when the neshama is in a body, even the neshama in heaven is limited. How much more so the way the neshama is in a body. And even if you serve Hashem, b'chol miyedecha, means to serve God with all your might. But that's still only with all your might. It's, it's still limited to you. It's your might. Oh, you serve Hashem with all your might, and that might be uh, really a lot for you, but for someone else, that's easy. So we're very limited. And since, since this is true, no matter how great you are, there's a limitation. And therefore, you always have to, all, you always can, and you always need to add in your service of God higher and higher. And that's the meaning of the Talmud's instruction to always do true, to always go higher. Doing true means always, go, always strive to go higher. Another concept about this is, the Gemara says, don't believe in yourself until your day of death. Because there was a tzaddik, whose name was Yechanan Kayan Gavl, he was a high priest. He was served in the temple for 80 years, and the end of his life, he decided to uh, leave the uh, Kayan Gavl position and to become a tzaddiki, and to become a heretic. Why are we told this? We're told this, I mean, why? Huh? Did he leave the Did he, he didn't leave the position? He didn't leave. I'm sorry. Okay, he didn't he leave the position. He called the problem and he stayed, stayed in Gadol as a Suzuki. Okay. So the question is, why do we need to hear this negative thing about the Kayan Gadol? Why do we need to be told something the opposite of the goodness of the Jewish people? It's in order to teach us a lesson. That even someone is on a very high level, he's similar to Yechanan, the high priest. And now, Rabbi says like this, no matter how great you consider yourself, no one will think about themselves that they are on the level of Yechanan, the high priest. He was 80 years going into the Holy of Holies to atone for the Jewish people. Right? Never, he, 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 he's this for 80 years. So if he couldn't believe in himself, how much more so should, should no one could believe in themselves that they are just the way they are is okay? But you always have to be look at yourself and, um, and, 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 and to have, be humble. And, and everything in Torah is true. It's not that you're supposed to 
fool yourself and fool the world around you and and to pretend uh, that you're that you, you you're humble, but to actually truly be humble. And since this is true, certainly um, you will not enter your mind. Rebbe says to um, to to force your opinion on everybody else and to turn the worlds over to get your opinion done. Even though you think you have proofs in the Torah, but you shouldn't you shouldn't trust yourself to be you know the the voice of God. You know if you, if you know you know one thing. If you think you're the voice of God. This expression in Yiddish it doesn't say it's an expression in Yiddish. When everyone says you're drunk, time to go to sleep. So, so, uh, so, yeah. So, no matter how great you think you are, not Yechon Kengo, and even Yechon Kengo, he had this downfall at the end of his life. So, so the instructions of the Gemara again are: your whole life should be true. It means you should do true. It means your whole life should should have to go. You need to go higher and higher, and don't believe that where you are is okay. Okay, you always have to be. Uh, humble and, and not and not uh, be so bold to consider your position to be absolutely just, especially in the face of uh, of, of disagreement and don't force your opinion on everybody else. Okay, this is also the lesson that we learn from the fact that Parshasinu is read after Yom Kippur. On the one hand, even though we're after Yom Kippur, Torah says don't trust yourself. You know, I think you know, like like Rambo, it's after Yom Kippur. I can do anything. Nothing can stop me, right? I, 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 I'm infallible. So even though it's after Yom Kippur, the heaven and the earth testify. These these witnesses, the heaven and earth, are witnesses that last forever. Not only are they witnesses that that last forever, always there watching us, so to speak. But besides that, these witnesses administer the consequences for our behavior. If we do what we're supposed to do, says the Talmud, says Rashi, the witnesses will give us the reward. The, the grapes will give their fruit, the earth will give its produce, the heavens will give their due. Besides the fact that the heaven and earth themselves remind us about the Torah. How so? Rashi says, God tells, tells Jewish people, look at the heavens. I've created the heavens to serve you. Did the heavens change? Did the heavens get smaller or bigger? Look at the earth, God says. I've created the earth to serve you. Did the earth get bigger or smaller? The earth stayed the same. So look at these these inanimate creatures that God has made, that although they don't get rewarded or punished for their behavior, yet they are following what God told them exactly, and they're not getting bigger or smaller, or how much more so, so should we look at our, the witnesses that are meant to testify to us, that we should keep the term mitzvahs, look at them and see how they're doing their job, and pay attention to, attention to yours. So they're witnesses in the sense, number one, that, that they, they are there to see us. Number two, they are there to reward us. And number three, they're an example for us of how we're supposed to behave. So why do we need witnesses? What's the point of witnesses? The reason we have to have witnesses, although we're after Yom Kippur, although we reach the highest level, level of tshuva, we have to caution, we have to, for, we have to pay attention that it's possible that without the witnesses, we wouldn't actually behave, it's possible we wouldn't behave the way we're supposed to. In other words, Hashem is reminding us by telling us that He needs to give us witnesses, that He needs to warn us. Needs to, the fact that you need witnesses tells you that you're not infallible. That's the point of reading this Torah portion. Although it's after Yom Kippur, it's the highest level, you're not infallible. You need witnesses. You need to be, you need to be cautioned about word and etc. That's the first instruction we got from the, reading this Torah portion after Yom Kippur. On the other hand, another message from, the, from reading this Torah portion after Yom Kippur. Another message is, even though it's after Yom Kippur, and you reach the highest levels, and... You have to go higher. 
a testimony is associated with the highest level. Why is a testimony associated with the highest level? In the Talmud, there's a concept called Usually, in order for it to be kosher testimony, you have to have kosher witnesses. But there are certain situations in which we trust not so trustworthy witnesses because it's something which is going to be exposed anyways. Um, th- there are some things which which are um, we assume people will not lie about. Like, you could trust not, we don't do this nowadays, but if you want to know if, if the milk that has fallen into your chalent is has, has given any taste into the chalent, you could call over your non-Jewish next-door neighbor and taste it because he'll taste it. Oh, there's no taste in this chalent. Why? Because you'll, you'll be able to figure it out anyways yourself. He's not going to lie to you because... You wouldn't know the difference. Because, because you're, you, you wouldn't know the difference because you never tasted it before. It's like amigo, right? Like amigo, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah very good. So, so the author of it says in the Kutateri this week, Testimony, a real testimony, is only on something which is completely hidden. Not something which is a little bit hidden and eventually be exposed. A solid testimony is needed when there's something which is completely hidden. And what is completely hidden? Testimony is associated with the Yudke. It's associated with the higher worlds, the hidden worlds, which impact the higher and deeper powers of the soul. We're talking about something which is beyond the spiritual cosmos. Something which does not have a vessel. Something which no thought can grasp. And concerning this level, it says, the tribes of Yudhite, testimony for the Jewish people. That we're talking about something which is so hidden that is beyond what we have reached in Yom Kippur. We reach in Kippur are amazing, but testimony is what's happening now. Then we're reaching something which, compared to where we're reaching Yom Kippur on this Shabbos, we're reaching something which is so far beyond it that you need testimony to reveal it, meaning something which is so hidden, it's so beyond Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was amazing, yeah, but this it brings us to some to a place which is so far beyond Yom Kippur that, Yom, that compared to Yom Kippur, this is considered like a mystery that requires testimony to reveal it. And from reading this Torah portion, Zino, we come to the bracha of Yarek Matalichi, for the entire year, that should be a blessed year, that all things should come down in a comfortable way, spiritually, physically, both ruchnis and gashnis, and children, and health, and pranasa, that all should be comfortable. That is the conclusion of this section, of the, the Fabrengen, I think question in a second. So the Rebbe basically says, what's the message we have from Kippur being, for being Pasha Hazino after Yom Kippur? Lesson number one is, Torah is telling us, you can't be satisfied with Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur was meant to bring you to where it brought you, and now you're meant to go higher. And not just higher, but Hazino indicates a testimony, which testimony is something which is hidden. He's supposed to reach a place now that compared to where you need to get to, it's, it's, it's so beyond where you were that it's like a mystery. And don't trust yourself, keep on going higher. Yeah, go ahead. So why is it that we read all of these uh, prohibitions about sexual indiscretion? And we know that there is no witness for sexual indiscretion, right? You mean on Yom Kippur? Yes, on Yom Kippur. The reason we read is because although we're in such a high level in Yom Kippur, you might think that you don't have to focus on the lower parts of yourself. You might think they could trust yourself. Right. You're, you're an angel, you're wearing a kittel, right. you're fasting all day. Right. So you read these, this section that tell us don't, don't, th- that you should also be aware of the other parts of yourself. Some of the theme that I was talking about here. Yonatan has a screen on for a long time. Looks like he wants to say something. Huh? All right. Have a great day, Yonatan. Good Shabbos. Good Yonatan. Good Shabbos. Good Shabbos, Matuka, Shabbos, Rabzev, Shabbos, David. So, you know, this is interesting.